Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the New Testament, we've been working hard at this. This is our 220th meeting on the New Testament, and uh, that gets one a week for four years plus. We're into the second chapter of 1 Peter now. Um, we're making great progress. We got 1 Peter and 2 Peter and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Jude and Revelation. And then we'll be, we'll be into the Old Testament. So um, we're, we're pressing along very well. I always tell you this when I start. Um, we do it that way so that we, we get the Bible in context. It's one of the most important things I, I think you can get a hold of as you study the Bible is you want to get it in context. That means you, you want what's going on throughout the process. You don't want to take a scripture here and a scripture there and a scripture from over here and make them try and say something they're not saying. You can, you can do that. You can take some scriptures as long as you're taking them in the, in the context of what they meant where they were and not trying to cause them something else. So, you know, sometimes you'll see in a, in a message I do, I'll, I'll, uh, even tonight I'm going to pop a verse out of somewhere, um, but it's in the context of not just what I'm saying now, but it's holding true to the context of where it was in Scripture. And I always encourage you, at any time you see that happening, um, mark that verse down and go look at it in context for yourself. That's, a, that's something that I encourage you to do. You should always go and say, is that still in context? Um, and, and take that in. I would encourage you to do that always uh, when anyone's uh, teaching. Um, it's good to go back and see that those things are what they're actually supposed to be. So we're into First um, Peter. Now, we started last uh, week with chapter 1, um, and um, Peter's going to give us a lot of practical advice here again uh, on, on some different ideas that are, that are critical to our life. Um, but he talked to last week, sort of the main point that he introduced last week that he kind of follows through with in much of the letter is, is about living a life of holiness. And I sort of, I said last week that that term, I think, um, is a little off-putting for us or, or maybe we don't understand it or don't think we can live that kind of lifestyle or we, we think that, that holy people um, are the people who have sort of, you know, pulled themselves out of society and sit high up on a mountain somewhere and, and you know, they're revered and venerated because they've taken themselves out and are hanging out. But uh, really, the model for holiness, like he is for everything in, in our life that matters, is Jesus, and he didn't do that. Um, Jesus lived a, a life of holiness by being fully engaged in the world around him, by loving people well, by, by seeing the beauty of their potential, by ministering to them. Um, and, and from that, we see what holiness was supposed to look like. He lived a holy life. And so he's, he's always the model that we're looking towards in this life. And uh, he, he demonstrates what it looks like. And so with that in mind, I, I think then we can approach the concept with um, that we have the Holy Spirit in us who's going to help us uh, in the journey. And obviously, you know, we, we understand that we all still make mistakes uh, and, we, and we fall and sometimes we choose to do things we shouldn't do. But um, that as we continue on in him and press on in him and, and do the things that he's called us to do, uh, that, that, you know, this is the lifestyle that he's, he's looking for in us and it's what Peter's talking about. So let's dig in. There's 25 verses in First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I'll be reading out of the NIV. You can uh, follow along whatever translation you might have or on the sheets we passed out. They should be the NIV. And then we'll, we'll go from there, beginning in verse 1. Therefore... Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. 
Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never, trust in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God, honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Blessed be the word. Uh, the Lord. So quite a few things I want to um, talk through today, and so we'll, we'll just kind of dig right in. Um, the first verse, 1 Peter 2, 1, I, I think demonstrates again the importance of using our words to build up people, to encourage people, and not to tear them down. 1 Peter 2, 1, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. This life that we have in Christ, this life um, uh, of living by trying to do the next right thing, this life of holiness, following the example of Jesus, should impact what we say about other people. And, 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 and so we have to you know, see, are we going to continue to criticize and judge with our words to tear people down, or will we use our words to build up, to encourage, to bless And this idea of living in him should change the way that we think and speak about others. And so it's very important that we we sort of 
um, understand, you know, the dynamic, the power of our words, and that we're to use our words to to encourage and to, to build up people and to um, ultimately have the opportunity to speak to them about truth. And if, we, if we're constantly using our words in the, in the wrong way, it's hard for people then to, to understand and hear us when we're speaking the words that we need to speak to tell people about Jesus. And so it's an important transformation that I think we all have to undergo. I had a thing happen, um, and it was a good thing, but it was funny. It was at the, at the beach barbecue baptism. We were talking about different, it was really, you know, we had a great day and we were talking about some, you know, people kept telling me that they, we do one all the time right before Easter. And uh, a lot of people were coming and talking to me about how, you know, four years ago I did it, six years ago I did it at Easter, you know, two years ago it's, I, I did this and they were sharing their stories and, and uh, we were talking about that and I, um, another couple popped into my mind about how um, we had baptized them four years ago they had told me and, and we did that and then um, shortly thereafter they got married out there on the beach and I did that too and they they've always been a part of our church since then and our first encounter was at the baptism on the beach they had never been to our pe- church before they just showed up at the baptism somebody told them it was going on and uh, the, the lady wanted to get baptized she had for a while and so they just showed never had met them never seen them they showed up at the baptism they came they got they professed Jesus Christ Lord and Savior got baptized and then a couple of months later they got married and I was re- retelling that story and it was a very good positive story but what's funny is they were right behind me. And I had no idea they were right behind me. And I, and, and, and I looked around and they were there and I was like, <gasps> and I'm like, no, it's okay. I was always, I, <laughs> I'm being very careful to, you know, keep it good. And, uh, but I can remember times in my life when, when I might have been saying things that would have been horrendous to look around and see the people right there. And, uh, and, and you, you just don't want to, you, you want to sort of really ask God to help you and train yourself to be speaking the things that should be spoken and to not speak the things that don't need to be spoken. Um, and so, you know, we try. No one, I don't, I don't think we're, I know I'm not perfect, but, but we work, we always are working on that, you know, and there's a lot of ways to do that, but I think that's the, the important thing. We're actually going to discuss some of that this weekend, um, that the importance of using our words in the right way so that when the time and the opportunity comes for us to share the words that we are, are basically here to share with people that they can receive them because we've, we, they, they know the pattern of our lives is to speak encouraging, building, truthful, loving words and so they can hear it when we, when we have that opportunity. So that's a big part of that. And then, and then just like we, we need to use our words to build other people up, um, we need to use his words to keep ourselves built up and strong. First Peter 2, 2 and 8, it goes on, and, and there's an encouragement there uh, of the importance, I believe, of spending time, and we hear this all, you know, you hear this from me all the time, every day in his word. First Peter 2, uh, 2 and 3. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Once we know God, we're to grow up in him by, by craving, like newborn babies, pure spiritual milk. Um, in First Peter 2, 2 in the New King James, just to clear it up, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The, the NIV kind of leaves out the, the, the word that's there, the, the logos, the word uh, in that connection. And um, Peter is saying, listen, you, you're going to get built by spending time in the Word of God. You, you, and you need to be built up so that you can continue to do the encouragement you need to do. And I love the imagery there, you know, to desire um, like a newborn baby the Word of God. And if you're ever around babies, you know how they desire, um, you know, milk. They, 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 the moment that they, you know, they just, 
uh, they make it known that they want it, and they're happy when they get it. You can watch babies, you know, and uh, uh, and, and, and it's a picture for us, you know, in that, uh, that so it's a desire, or the, the word crave. Um, I love that image of actually having a craving for the word of God. You ever have a craving for anything in, in your life? For, you know, like you have a craving for a bowl of ice cream. You might have, you're probably not there anymore, but maybe, and it wasn't, but, you know, you might have had some, you know, weird cravings for something that you, and um, you don't have to be pregnant to have cravings. Um, uh, well, because you guys were recently there and you're right there. Um, yeah. Um, and and you, you know that, that feeling that you just all of a sudden, you know, and you, uh, you just have a craving for something. I, I think a lot of nights I have a craving for a, a, an apple with peanut butter. Do you ever have it? And I'm like, okay, now I gotta, I gotta have that. You think it, and it's like, okay, I'm never, I'm not gonna really settle down without an apple with some peanut, because it's, um, that's an awesome thing. Um, and now some of you are gonna crave that. <laughs> and there'll be a rush at the Winn Dixie for apples and peanut butter. But the, this, this life in Christ, this, this, this holy life that we're trying to, to live in Him, for Him, for His glory, um, should, should cause us to have a craving that really is only satisfied by the Word of God in our lives. And, and so I want to encourage you to, again, to make time for it in your life. Every day, we do a lot of different ways to make that happen, but make time for the Word every day. You should be reading some scripture every day, just because it continually feeds you uh, in ways you may not even know. Uh, sometimes you might be reading it like, oh, whatever. Uh, you know, in my daily readings right now, I'm reading through the book of Numbers, part of it. Um, fortunately, that's not all my reading, but it's a part of it. And the book of Numbers is a little tough um, to, to stay connected to very early in the morning. Uh, and even a chapter of it, when they start talking about, I was just reading about the, the offering of the princes of the tribes and how each one had to bring silver trays, like 12 silver trays and a gold ladle and a, and a, and a something else. And each, it was redundant. It was the same thing with a different name. And, you know, I just kind of want to go skip to the bottom. But I, and I, every time I think I'll just skip to the bottom, who cares about the silver trays? And the, I'm sure that if I'll stick with it, you know, I'll get something out of it. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But I'm always concerned that if I skip, I'm going to miss like the nugget. You know what I mean? And like, oh, the Spirit of God will just illuminate something I've read over and over again. Think, why is this? How did this make the book? How did the silver trays and the gold ladles in the offering make the... Why is it in there? Um, and ultimately, it's in there because of... They, then at the end, they total what this huge thing is for the thing. And it makes significant in the, how, many, how much stuff came in. And, anyway, um, I'm off course. But there's, you, you should crave it. I, and any time that something happens and I don't get to read it, it makes me feel funny. And so that's, that's what we need to press in towards. Because we need that to live. First Peter 2. Um, and, and I say that. I always want to make this ex- disclaimer. Um, some people will say to me, of course, you, you read the Bible. You have to. You're a pastor. I do have to. I, I read differently for that. I have, to, I have to read because I'm a first and foremost a Christian, a follower of Christ. I read for that. I connect with him for that. Um, I have to, you know, take on other stuff and, and I have other studying that I do to stand up here in front of you and, and, you know, on Sundays and Sunday nights and whenever else I've got to do that. That's a whole nother deal in me. Um, but I have separately a part of my life that's just about my relationship with him that I have to tend to, that everybody has to tend to. And, and so make sure you know, oh, of course you have plenty of time. I, I make time by getting up and making it happen. But we all need to be doing that because that's where life is. He goes on in First uh, Peter 2, 9 and 10. And in our, our next series, we're going to be looking at these first 12 verses uh, in, in uh, uh, 
First Peter chapter two. So you'll you'll be getting them in an expanded version on Sundays for the next season. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's some neat things that Peter does there that I want to make sure you see. First off, you need to know that God picked you. Picked you. You think, oh no, I, I, you know, I gave my life to him. I, no, he picked you because you're a chosen people. He chose you. Oh no, no, I chose him. No, no, he chose you. He chose you. You chose him, but he chose you. So you need to understand that. He, he, he chose you. He picked you to be on his team. This is good news. Uh, has, an, anybody, when you were growing up, ever, ever have that horrible thing they used to do where they split you up for teams and you had to get picked on the team? And, and uh, anybody here ever experienced what it felt like to be picked last or really not wanted at all? You know, because maybe they were all older than you or maybe you just really had no talent. But still, <laughs> you didn't feel good about it. Here's the deal. God picked you for his team. Absolutely picked you. Boom. You weren't, oh, we got to take that one. You were, he wanted you on his team. He picked you. He, you're chosen. You need to know that in this process. You have value. You matter. You count. And you are an asset to his team. You're an asset to his team. And, and there's something about knowing that he's chosen you and accepted you. And, and, uh, and, and it keeps us from having to, it allows us to be who we are instead of trying to, you know, prove anything or act a certain way or you're trying to fit in. He's chosen you for who you are to be a part of his team. And, and think about it. In Christ, you're a part of the most amazing team in the universe. I don't know if you ever think, I mean, it's, it's the most amazing thing. And he chose you to be a part of that team for eternity because he wanted you. Specific, specifically, he wanted you. You. Very cool stuff. Um, he chose you, among other things, to be a minister. First Peter 2.9, because it says next, a royal priesthood. You're part of the royal priesthood in Christ. Paul says this in Romans 15.16. So this is where I'm taking a verse out of another spot, but it's in context. And if not, you can go check it out. Romans 15.16, I'm giving you the address. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. Now this is talking, Paul's talking about his calling, but he, I, I wanted to see what you know, his calling is, what ministry looks like. Now, a minister of Christ Jesus with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, because you're called a royal priesthood, priestly duty, proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So part of, the, part of being a minister is this idea of uh, a priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. You, you're called to represent and serve for Jesus, part of being uh, in the royal priesthood. The motivation that we have in doing that, First Peter 2.9 again, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And that's all about loving God. We've been talking about that, loving others as ourselves. I'm a holy people, and, and the best way to demonstrate holiness is to love well. And we've been over that for the last few weeks. We have a mission, again, in 1 Peter 2.9, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Uh, and, and so we have this, this, this uh, mission of declaring his praises, um, his words, uh, the gospel, to the world around us, our, we call that mission, you know, the way we've 
you use that mission here, that idea is the idea of one more and what that looks like, a lost child back to dad. And then another neat thing that he's got in those verses in First Peter uh, 2.10, we get a brand new start. I love this. Uh, 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That idea of mercy is we all get a brand new start. So he picks us for his team. He's, we've got mission, ministry, motive, and we get a brand new start. And the, the, even the better news thing, the amazing thing about this team is you get a brand new start like every day or three times a day or ten times. How many ever times a day you need a new start, you get one? Anybody ever really blow it badly during the day? <laughs> you can, and all you, you know what you need to do is go, I'm, I'm really sorry. Okay, new start. How cool is that? It's like the best thing going. This is the best team in the universe. There's no other teams like that. You blow it really bad on another team, they make you pay really bad and for a long time. <laughs> Ask anybody on any other type of team. You blow it, and they, okay, you're going to pay for that. But on his team, it's okay. Very cool stuff. We don't take advantage of that because that would be wrong, but you get a, you get a do-over. I love do-overs. You've heard me talk about those. Then in verses 11 through 19... Again, it's all about uh, doing the next right thing. That's a big part of this, this holy life. First uh, Peter 2.11. Um, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. That makes sense, right? We're, it's a battle. Always the options to do other things. Um, verse 16, he says, Live as free men, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. So we have freedom in Christ. Um, and, and, you know, and we need to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is, is calling us to do. Uh, and telling us what to do and yield to that and, and not say, well, because I'm free, I can do whatever I want. Uh, he said in verse 16, it is God's will, but that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. And so there's something about this idea of living um, the best that we can, trying to do the next right thing that, that impacts people around us in lots of ways. And, and, and then in verse 17, he gives us this little, I know I've shared this with you before, but it's one of my favorite checklists, so it's worth a review. First Peter 2.17, show respect to everyone, proper respect, to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear, fear, believers, fear God, and honor the king. And, and I found in that verse four things that, um, if you've heard it before, cool. If you haven't, remember this little checklist. And it's very helpful in doing the next right thing. And we talk about it, so little checklist, and, and here it is. First, you know, is it respectful? Before you do something, you're making a choice. Is it a respectful thing? Um, show proper respect to everyone. See the beauty of people's potential. Treat people with respect. Um, treat everybody the way you want to be treated. That's the rule we live under, right? Not the way they treat us, but, but uh, you know, golden rule stuff. Is it respectful? Run everything through that filter before you do anything, and, and if it passes, okay, you might be good. Then, then uh, here's another little thing little that out of Peter said there. Um, is it loving? Because he says we need to love the brotherhood of believers. And, and, you know, um, our love for God and our love for others um, is one of our greatest witnesses to the world around us, that God is God and cares about them even. See, when, when unbelievers see the love of God being demonstrated amongst believers for one another and for God, it's a witness to them that God is real and that God cares about them as well. And so the, the next sort of little thing, ask yourself, is it a loving thing that I'm about to embark on? Is it loving? Uh, is it godly? is my third little thing because he said you know we should fear God not 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 in a, to be terrified of God um, but to be respectful is 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 the action we're about to take one that would please God if it's not you shouldn't do it I mean that's the reality if it is then then you're pretty good and then I always I toss this one in and usually people laugh but it's it's funny because you, you, it's and it's it's the fourth one and is it legal uh, <laughs> if it's not legal you just shouldn't do it 
but but we 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 play with that all the time. I, you know, we do. And we everybody's got little things. But yeah, no, that's not it's, that's suggestion more than you know. When we justify it and we rationalize it, and then we got little things. So you know, it's a good way to ask ourselves: Is it is it legal? Because we're to honor the king, and, and uh, you know, not not rationalize it. It's not really about your opinion on it. It's is it legal? If it's not legal, don't do it. Um, and then, you know, just because, uh, on another hand, just because something is legal doesn't mean it's godly. And, and so, um, in, in this case, the, uh, our call to fear God trumps the honor of the king call. So, um, if, if something is legal and not godly, that doesn't mean that it's okay to do it. Because lots of things are legal that aren't okay. And, and uh, so, just there's, there's a difference. Because sometimes people, well, it's legal. It doesn't really matter. Is it godly? So you, you, those two got to line up. And then First uh, Peter two twenty through 25, you know, Peter talks about the importance of trusting God and to keep on trusting God no matter what. And when we're, when we're trying to live, you know, the way he's suggesting in this, this, this holiness sort of way, you know, doing the next right thing, Jesus is our model for ministry. Um, usually the places where we're most likely to start to make bad choices are when things aren't going well. And, and in the midst of adversity and difficulties and suffering, it's easier to sort of justify and rationalize doing the wrong thing. And what Peter says, look, you need to keep on trusting God, especially in the face of adversity and suffering, uh, because that's the example that Jesus gave us. First Peter 2.21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And then he goes on in verse 22, he committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth when they hurled their insults at him. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And so the, the admonition there for us is to, the exhortation, if you would, is to trust in God. And then, um, you know, always remember that little checklist I just gave you. And uh, always try and live by doing the next right thing and loving well. And, and that's where we begin to experience and find life in the process. I, I know there was, there was verses there in there about um, slavery. I've talked a lot about that through Paul's letters, so I didn't get to it tonight um, on purpose. You can go back and look through any of the verses in Paul's letters that talk about it. Um, and, and remember, the uh, uh, all slavery is, is abhorrent um, to a, you know, it's a horrendous, horrendous thing to subject people. At the time of the writing, um, they used the term um, for a for an agreement that they had with people about coming and working off debts. And often people were sold into slavery to pay debts, but they were, there was an end time, and they, they um, by and large, in this context, weren't treated horrendously like people that are trapped in slavery today, which is a horrendous. Don't ever hear me. It's horrendous. has always been horrendous, um, but it's sort of a different context. I talk in that in depth in the letters in Paul, and so you can go back and... Uh, Go for that teaching there if you need to. But that's enough on the second chapter for today. Um, so I would you know, continue to, to encourage you to, to really think about those things and remember from it all. You know, always live by trying to do the next thing. Next right thing. Spend time in the Word of God. If you've gotten away from that habit, get back into it. Um, and, and, you know, so that it's a craving that you have that can't be satisfied anywhere else because that's how He encourages us to live. That's it for me. If you're watching my video on television, thank you. Um, come and visit us sometime. We'd love to have you. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a form. Fill it out. We'll pray for you. And that's, uh, that's good for tonight.